Welcome to the Casa de Confidence podcast, a podcast for women about going in the direction of their dreams and the confidence it takes to reach them. I'm your host, Julie DeLuca Collins. I am a dreamer, a traveler, visionary, risk taker. I am a lover of books, activist, philanthropist, and most of all, a supporter of women in their dreams. If you've stumbled into our casa for the first time, welcome. If you've been here before, I'm so glad you're back. Grab your drink of choice, settle in, and make yourself at home. Welcome back to another week of Casa de Confidence with Julie DeLuca Collins, your host. And you. And me. Who am I? Hashtag handsome hot husband. Mm -mm. I'm just Dan. Dan. Hashtag handsome hot husband on Instagram. (laughs) (laughs) How are you doing this morning, Juliana? I am doing great. We had a lovely outing last night for dinner. Yes, we did. We got to see a beautiful moon and sunset, even Mm -hmm. though it was misty and even though it was like foggy. But we went to have a drink at this winery, this local winery that is up on a hill above the clouds. And it was delightful to see both the moon rising and the sun setting. So enjoyed Mm. it. Highly recommended. Crystal Ridge Winery, not an ad, but it should be because I like them a lot and they should sponsor the podcast. They're in Glastonbury, Connecticut. South Glastonbury. Oh, sorry. South Glastonbury, Connecticut. They're right down the road where we, like, seven years ago looked at a house. It it was more like five. And we loved it. That was the house we we should have bought. Yeah. We we, should have had our our shit together. Our ducks weren't in a row. So notice the difference between you and I. What? You're like our ducks were not in a row. I'm like we didn't have our shit together. Okay, that's so just. I'm, I'm just classier than you. Is what you're saying? <clears throat> I'm not saying <laughs> classier. It's nothing to do with class. I'm just it's, calling it like it is. It's all in the art of language, right? <sighs> yeah, I suppose. Sometimes there's ducks, and sometimes there's. <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, so you have a long day ahead of you. Ah, uh, yes, I do. So, yeah, yeah, I've been busy at work, so. Oh, this work thing is keeping you really busy, huh? It's a Sunday, and I was in there this morning, but I 5 a.m. Get... he went. Oh, my goodness. But I get to go back at one <clears> thirty <throat> a.m. Mm-hmm. Um, so, anyway. You know, my, what, did you notice my little neurosis? Well, you know my neurosis. Maybe the, the listeners don't. But when Dan <laughs> leaves for work, especially in the wintertime, and it is like an ungodly hour. I mean, all gods, all hours are gods, but you know, it's a, it's like you know that type of hour. Um, I get nervous. And, I always um, have to text her when I get to work to make sure that she knows. But that typically, I'm there safely before he even texts me, I am stalking him in his location. You know what on the, the crazy iPhone. part about all that is? What? I'm more likely to get into an accident or something during the day when there's other people on the road. I know, but you know, I have to work really hard at managing my brain mm-hmm. for all the things. And you know where that come from, comes from, right? Where? 
from the whole Wayne incident. Oh, that's right. So when I was 19, I was engaged, and uh, he had a motorcycle accident, and um, it was pretty tragic. So um, I think that I still have unprocessed when you were emotions. En- when you were engaged to Wayne. To Wayne, yes. yes. When I was engaged to Wayne. In yeah. a former life. In a former life. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Anyhow, things, you know, mm. turned out very well for me because I'm married to you. Mm-hmm. But I think that still some of the belief systems and, and trauma of that experience. Yeah. And Wayne Although I've on. been to therapy, my God, for the love of God. I've spent a lot of money in therapy and mm. coaching over this. And Wayne recovered and well, went on to his own life. So, yeah. Never recovered. Well. So to the, yeah, Mm -hmm. stay tuned. It's a chapter in my book. You can read about it then. (laughs) It is? That's in your book? Oh, wow. Wow, Daniel. Hmm. I haven't read a word of it. Like, she's got the chapters lined up, but she hasn't let me see any of it Mm -hmm. yet. So I'm excited to read it. Yeah, listen, um, the yesterday also when we were taking pictures with our friends, we went out with our friends, Erica and Tisa, um, and we were looking because Erica and Tisa are the two girlfriends who I happen to be out for one of those nights, like one of our favorite bands, local bands was playing in Connecticut. Um, <laughs> what are you laughing at? The name of the band? Yeah, a little bit. What, little, 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 little bit. Why don't you tell the listeners I'm the name of the band? I'm not telling the name of the band. Really? It's, okay, they're called Derek and the Fun Bags, and maybe we should have them on the podcast. Anyway, I love them. They're really fun, and they were playing at a local bar here, and we went to see them, and many of the fans for Derek and the Fun Bags happened to be our age. Well, my age. Well, you know, whatever. Gen Xers. It's because this band's been banging around Connecticut for the last 25 banging plus years. Banging around Connecticut, is that pun intended? No. <laughs> okay. I can't see you. Oh, I'm sorry. Your computer's like blocking me. Oh, I got a big computer. Anyhow. So we went and it was February 28th of this, um, you know, of last year. And we had a really fun time, but that was one of the last times before we went into pandemic lockdown, then we were out at a pack bar. And I have to say, there was one point in the evening that I remember thinking, "Mm, this is pretty packed. Interesting. And then I, you know, kept going to the bathroom to wash my hands. But little did we know that that would be my last hurrah (laughs) in a crowded bar, dancing with other people, sweating shoulder to shoulder. Who knew? Who knew? Well, I mean, it's not going to be the last one, obviously, but, you know, for the year. Well, you know what? This year? What? Since your 50th birthday was last year and you missed out on the party. Am I having a party this year? No, I'm going to allow you to participate in my 50th birthday party Uh, this year. Oh, you're having a birthday party. You can have a slice of my cake. I can have a slide. First of all, if anyone is planning a birthday party for their 50th birthday, it's going to be me planning it for you. Perfect. Okay, oh, get on that. Look at you. <laughs> Listen, I already was thinking about this last night. I'm like, ooh, we could call it the Dan Turns 50 and Julie 51 and a half. Mm. Perfect. 
<laughs> I can celebrate my half birthday with you, and we can have like a joint 50th birthday party. It doesn't quite have a ring to it. You have to get them I, up I know. or something, you know. I, I'm going to get catchy. I'm going to get cute with it. Okay. So, um. Anyway, kind of like your hair right now. Oh my God. <sighs> What's wrong with my hair? It's crazy. But anyway. It's just up in a messy bun. Yeah, yeah. Nobody can see that, though. Uh-huh. So, I started to say something about us. Oh, that's why. Okay. This is where I was going with this. So you confuse me. You you sidetrack me. Okay. The reason I, the interesting thing when I was looking at my pictures from, you know, last year, you know how you can look back at to the pictures, you know, like look back, like time hop on your phone. Mm-hmm. Yesterday, one of the pictures that came up on my phone was the picture of your mom and myself in Nashville. Mm. So that's, that's a nice we, memory. Yeah. So before you and I were married, your mom and I, and before you and I were an item, mm-hmm. your mom and I went to uh, Nashville and it was a very fun yep. trip. She loved it. I loved spending time with her. Mm. It was a really good memory. Yeah. She loved that trip. It was a lot of fun. <clears throat> yeah. We went to the Country Music Hall of Fame. We stayed at the Grand Ole Opry Hotel. We went to the Grand Ole Opry as well. Mm-hmm. So that was super fun. Cool. And one of the reasons, you know, I I um, really enjoy the trip is because I think that um, it was an opportunity for me to be able to really get to know your mom. Hmm. You were close to your mom, right? Of course. Hmm. So I was very close to my mom. She's been gone for 10 years now. It's hard to believe. Mm, I know. I know. I woke up the other day thinking about her and I was like, well, it was like my first thought. So, and I, I, uh, I know we've had a couple people in our families pass away lately. So, mm. but I, I woke up with that feeling even after yep. 10 years. I was like, oh, I like, I like to talk to my mom and just sit down and, and, and enjoy each other like we used to. So. I'd like to believe that my mom, I mean, my dad and your mom are hanging out, having a cup of coffee, (laughs) watching us kind of like in a movie theater in the sky, you know, (laughs) and kind of like laughing at us. I'm sure our parents would get along. Yeah. Mm. So, but did you know, I have some statistics for you that three in five Gen Xers, which is 59%, and one in two millennials, which is 51%, begin- Three in nine is not 59%. Oh, I'm sorry. Three in five. A three out of five? Three out of five Gen Xers. Okay. Which is 59%. Okay. And one in two millennials, which is Half. 51%. Uh, it's 50. <laughs> I'm just reading the statistic. Okay. okay. Go with it. I'm sorry. Begin assisting after a parent suffered a serious medical event. Oh. And both millennials and Gen Xers spent over 11 and a half hours per week managing their parents' health care. In both estimate, they spend more than 14 to 16 years assisting their parents. Mm. So, it, you know, this is something that is becoming more prevalent in our generation and millennials to um, be the caretakers mm. of our parents as they get older or they're dealing with illnesses mm. as they age. And I know that for you... You helped to take care of your mom, and you were with your mom as she entered the last stages of her life. Yeah. So, yeah, when my mom, she she passed of, of lung cancer, and when she got sick, 
um, my sister, Donna, who is local to my mom and myself, um, we spent our time there and took time off of work to be with her and, and watch after her in her final, you know, days and week. So. Yeah. yeah, I think that it's it's definitely a privilege to be able to it is. take it, care of our parents as they age and they enter into end of life care. It is a privilege. I mean, it's uh to have the opportunity to care for someone that has cared for you their entire life. Mm. Um, it's a it's a blessing um, within a hard time. Yeah, and, and it's something that, you know, many women are are experiencing right now, and some gentlemen as well, obviously. But, um, you know, it's something that we are going to continue to see more of, where women are spending a lot of time caring for an elderly parent. And um, our guest today, as a matter of fact, one of the reasons that I wanted to bring her on is because... I wanted to have this conversation and really be able to just sort of dissect a little bit because from the perspective of caring, when you care for somebody else, a lot of women in particular, and I hate to generalize, but it's true in my, because I know I did it, is we, uh, we stop taking care of ourselves because we're caring for others. Do you think, you know, what was your experience with that? Well, my experience was kind of unique because um, my mom's illness came fast and mm. she passed quickly. But yeah, I can understand how you can be so so into taking care of that other person and spending so much time with uh, with what you need to do that you can forget to take care of yourself, and then um, eventually you can deplete yourself, and then. Sometimes you become no use to that person if you're not taking care of yourself. So it's important to um, consider yourself also. Uh, mm-hmm. That way you can give of yourself more greatly and more lovingly. Yeah, I, you know, let me backtrack here. One of the things that I, I want to communicate to all of us, and I know that I, we have listeners that are from multiple age groups, but one of the things that I want us to consider is the fact that we should continue to care for ourselves, no matter what the circumstances, but more importantly, when we are pouring a lot of ourselves into a parent, when they're entering maybe older, not necessarily a stage where life is ending for them, but they just older and need more support from us. And I think that this is one of the things that is a great way to love others by loving ourselves first. And we tend to think that our goal is I need to go love my mom. I need to go love my dad. I need to pour into them. I need to take them to the doctors. I need to um, make sure that they're eating. They're this, they're that. But the most loving thing that you can do to love them is care for you. And our guest today, Jody, really understands the value of creating care for ourselves in order to be a better caregiver to others. And that's a great form of love, self-love, and love for others. So as we wrap up February, this is uh, one of the concepts that I want to make sure we explore and uh, one of the reasons I invited Jody into the show. 
Our guest today is Jody Martino, also known as the Fit Task Master Mama, and she supports women that are caregivers for those with Alzheimer's by helping them tap into their endorphins. Jody entered her caregiver journey in 2019 when her mom was diagnosed with Alzheimer's, with all the challenges, joy, and grief that accompany it. She's a wife, mom, and mentor who uses a supportive approach to show others how to use exercise and nutrition to remain focused. So amazing. I can't wait to bring this conversation to you. And ladies, no matter what stage you are, even if you are maybe a Gen Z, and this is not something in your plate right now, consider what may be going on for others. And also remember, give to yourself, love yourself, more importantly, first, and then you will be in a better place to give to others. So without further ado, our guest and the wonderful and incomparable Jody Martino. Jody, I am so pleased that I met you because you are doing some phenomenal stuff. So why don't I allow you to introduce yourself to the Casa de Confidence uh, audience? Um, hello, everyone. I am Jody. I am the Fit Taster, Fit Task Master Mama. Tongue tied there. I love it. Um, I am originally from New York, but I reside in Connecticut now. Um, mom of two, um, I have a a 12 year old, almost 16 year old. And, um, I just, I, I, my main focus is to help loved ones that care for someone that has Alzheimer's or dementia, um, because they need to take care of themselves so that they can be the best caregiver they need to be for that loved one. And it's not just for Alzheimer's and dementia, but it's any type of caregiving that you do. It's just so important to fill up your cup first so that you can give Mm. back to them. I so resonate with that message because I know that as women, we tend to put ourselves last. And when you and I first met, we jumped on a call. I wanted to learn more about what you do. And I thought you are the person that needs to come in the middle of the month love, the month of love to talk about self-love and really talk about when we are caregivers and when we are doing for others, it's so important to also put ourselves first. Tell me, how did you get to this journey? What led you to get to a place in which you know that this was important and then you turned what you knew was important into what your message is and what you're doing for others? And you're right. I mean, this is a perfect time to talk about self-love, self-care. So a little bit about my story. Um, I started my journey myself personally a little over six years ago. And for me, originally, it was as a mom, overworked, uh, stressed out. I was commuting an hour both way to work. I was working a 40 hour week, which actually was really like a 60s, 70 hour week. Mm -hmm. And it was taxing. And I lost sight of taking care of myself and got really deep into depression, anxiety. And it came to a head one night when I um, had a massive panic attack. And I was like, didn't know what to do. Talked to my doctor the next day, put me on medication. And I was like, I was good for a little bit, but I was like, this is insane that I need medication to feel like myself. Mm -hmm. So, um, I 
connected with a sorority sister. Um, she was into health and fitness, and that's kind of where it, the journey started. And there was ebbs and flows, of course, like anything else. Anything. Um, but probably maybe about four and a half years into it, um, my mother um, was having some mental issues. Mm. As an only child, I was her it. My parents were divorced, mm. so I was her one and only person, her her go-to. And in the midst of all of that, I was navigating that. I was navigating being, still being a mom to little people and trying to figure out the ebbs and flows. But the one thing that was constant was moving my body. My nutrition ebbed and flowed throughout that, but you know, carving out 30 to 40 minutes every single day to kind of get the clarity. So I was like, okay, I can handle the day, whatever that may look like, um, was, uh, was, was a game changer. Mm -hmm. And so as I continued through the process of um, my mother's diagnosis, moving her, all the things, um, that was the constant. And I was like, it hit me one day. I was actually on a drive to her house to empty it out because we had already moved her 40 <laughs> plus years of her life, my life, my grandmother's life, all in one home. Wow. And it hit me. And I was like, wait a second. Like people need to know that um, to be able to care for their loved ones, including their family and their children, but the people that are sick, may it be cancer, may it be anything. Mm -hmm. um, you can't be that caregiver unless you're taking care of yourself first and loving yourself first. Oh, so good. And so as I'm on this drive, I'm like listening to a podcast and I was like, oh my God, I was like, that's it. That that's, that's my calling. I need to, I need to help people that are like myself that need to, I hate the word need, but, um, <clears throat> they have to realize that it's okay to carve out that 30 minutes mm -hmm. of self-love, self-care, whether it be a walk, whether going for a swim or putting the TV on and doing a workout, whatever that may look like, mm -hmm. it's taking that time so that you can have the calmness and the, the clarity from those endorphins to handle that loved one the medical field, whatever that looks like for that day, mm -hmm. you have that clarity. So that was the catalyst for me to realize that something had to change. And there wasn't really um, an, an outlook or a community that encompassed all of it, right. where it encompassed the highs and the lows of being a caregiver. It also talked about proper nutrition, fitness, mm -hmm. mindset, journaling, like all the little tiny pieces. And so I took it upon myself to create it. <laughs> I love that. I think they say that the the mother of all in, in inventions is uh, the necessity of something. Yeah. And having cared for my dad when he was uh, in the late stages of his illness, I know that I was better because I was eating. And in the last three weeks, I was in the hospital with him. I didn't even go to his house. Um, I, I don't know if I, I shared with you the story of the hospital that he was in Florida. They actually have a spa in the hospital. And I made friends with the people there. And I made friends with everyone in the intensive care unit. So I would shower down at the spa. 
And I went out a couple times and I would make a Trader Joe's run, but I knew that I needed to, um, in order to be there for him and show up with clarity and show up with strength um, to give him that support that he needed, I needed to manage my mind. I needed to be able to also um, not just be eating out of a vending machine. Mm-hmm. And that was such a difficult time, but it was an honor to spend that time with him because, uh, you know, we had such a great relationship, but it allowed me to go deeper with this person. And uh, there were times in which I would walk up and down and I would go up and down the stairs and it, it really, I wasn't perfect, obviously, but it certainly was something that gave me the fortitude to be in that place. Yeah. Um, and sometimes and it, we don't do that. And you, and you, you bring up a good point. <laughs> it's one of those things that when you're in it, you don't realize. And, and you probably at some point, you know, dr- driving back and forth from the hospital or doing something and you get in the car and you're like, <sighs> like, cause you're mentally and physically drained mm-hmm. and you know, had you not walked up and down those stairs or had you not taken a shower at the spa, you know, and took the couple of minutes, you know, you wouldn't have been able to focus and and enjoy those special moments with him had you not had that clarity. Absolutely. And I think that this is the one thing that I see with a lot of women that even if they're not in a position in which they're caring for someone who is gravely ill, that we do take on so much and we say, well, we'll do it, we'll get to it, but we don't create the habits and we don't create the intentionality to be able to show up for ourselves. And, and I'm, I'm right now in one of those how life ebbs and flows. And I am in a position right now in which in the last, I would say, couple months, really off my game. I have not, well, I have not, haven't said foot in the gym in a year. And I haven't really been doing much at home and I feel it. I feel it in my mind. I feel it in my body. And I think that this is something that we all need. We need to create that. Tell me, how would you talk to someone and walk someone through the process of creating those simple habits for themselves? Because I I, I need to hear this. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I'm, I'm a true believer of, um, I'm the type of mentor that when I do talk to you or I do meet you, um, I want to meet you where you're at. Right. So Mm -hmm. I'm not going to throw somebody into a program or whether it be nutrition or fitness, just throwing them to the wolves. That's not my MO. My MO is to meet you where you're at. Um, and it could just be the fitness. It could just be the nutrition, whatever that looks like. And we set, we set short-term goals and long-term goals. Um, I also introduce, um, journaling and mindset. Mm -hmm. Um, I have never been a big meditation person at all. I have a monkey brain, so it's been very difficult to kind of, don't we all, (laughs) Um, and I've also started to kind of include that into our, um, community, but first and foremost, it's, you know, everybody can say, Jody, I just, I just want to lose like 10 pounds, 15 pounds. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Okay. Well, there's more to that. You know, is it that you want to feel more confident, 
um, in your skin? Do you want to feel more energized when you're with the kids or you're with your spouse? So like, what does that look like? Um, and the biggest thing, since we're talking about love, I was speaking to a prospective client the other day and her daughter just turned a year old and she's like, I just don't have the time. Mm. And I'm like, make it a priority. You've right. made it a priority to be a wonderful mom to a beautiful mm-hmm. daughter, but you also you also need to give that gift to yourself as oh, well. Oh, for sure. For sure. It, it, the prioritization of, of what your goals are. And I love what you said that, you know, what do you want and finding, you know, and, and here's the thing. I know that for myself and my journey, um, losing 10 pounds or doing one goal doesn't necessarily hit the spot at all times. You have to have multiple whys that are going to drive you because mm-hmm. one day maybe fitting into that cute outfit when you're, you know, cover in uh, in baby puke or whatever, you're, that's not going to resonate. Right. right. But maybe you want to show up better for your, for your relationship with your spouse. Right. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> so these are the things that uh, do move us. For sure. And I think like, um, you know, you may say to me, okay, Jody, there's a number on the scale. I want to hit that number. I want like, you're so um, focused on that number. And I do tell the ladies in our community and even my prospective woman is that, yes, that number may be important to you, but when you get to that number, how do you want to feel? Right. How do you want to feel physically, mentally, because it's, mm-hmm. you can get to that 140, 130 mark, right. but still feel the same inside and in mentally, you're not necessarily to where you want to be. I and, I, and, and I think that's so important. And it's so, it's, it's a misconception where people are like number, 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 number. And that's not where it is, where it is. It's the whole lifestyle change. And nobody said it was going to be easy, but it's so important to the that first step to be like, yeah, I need this. I need to love mm-hmm. myself. I need to care about myself, even for 15 minutes. Like, right. you know, no matter what age your children are, you know, mm-hmm. infant to 16 year old, you know, they're going to understand that mommy needs, mommy needs a minute or that that loved one will understand that excuse me, you need to compose yourself and you need that minute. Yeah. I think that this is the one thing that we need to um, keep really in the forefront of our mind that uh, we feel that things will fall apart and we're so afraid of disappointing others. But uh, if we're going to create influence in the lives of others, we need to start with ourselves. Um, For you, when you look back at your life, what do you feel, who do you feel has created the most influence? Um, it, it, I think it also depends on which um, area of my life. And we'll put it that mm-hmm. well, I'll, I'll, there's many different facets. Um, and I, I'm sure this is for a lot of your listeners. Um, first and foremost, it's um, 100% my mom. Mm-hmm. Um, her and I, um, as an only child, we're kind of tag team. Um, meaning like it's her and I against the world Mm -hmm. and it's always been that way. And even in the midst of this situation with COVID, with her Mm -hmm. being in assisted living, you know, she's always like, I feel bad that I've done this to you. And I'm like, Hey, I'm like, it's fine. I was like, I got you. You had me when I was a little human and 
Now it's my turn. Um, so the tools and the things that she's taught me of being a strong woman, mm-hmm. I, I take it always. And then um, it's definitely m- my husband keeping me driven, mm-hmm. uh, my children um, each in their own different way. Mm-hmm. But I would definitely say there's not one person because my community, um, and that's the thing that has been such a game changer for me, is having a community like different types of communities, but a community nonetheless, Mm -hmm. that if I have a problem or I'm struggling with something, I know I can go to this person and they're going to be like, hold the phone, Jody, let's regroup. (laughs) Or there may be, you know, something going on in a different area of my life so that I can go to this group. So it's all about community and finding different communities, depending on what's going on, because it could be with your children. It could be with your spouse. It could be sports. It could be parents, so many different things. But I would say those are my main, which would be my, my mom, my family, my immediate family, and then my mm-hmm. community. For sure. I, I agree. I think that community is something that, especially in 2020, it drove us to a place in which we could have really been hiding under a rock and we needed to step out of ourselves despite Uh, the pandemic, despite quarantine, and really create the communities that filled our cups. Um, And and I I like what you said that there's, depending on what it is, you go to different, uh, different people, different instances. And I think that that's very key. I believe that we have to create the safe spaces where people understand this, right? I I have a community of like-minded women when it comes to business. I have a community of like-minded women when it comes to um, working in philanthropy. I have my girlfriends that we uh, are in this journey together for better health, right? But it's very important to do that. Now, if you had to name out of many people that are out there as far as um, authors and um, public figures, is there one in particular that resonates with you? Um, yeah, I mean, I, I definitely, um, Reese, Reese Witherspoon as a entrepreneur, a mom, an actress, all the things, business mm-hmm. owner, um, the authenticity of her yeah. um, is just, I mean, you see it on social media, you see it, you know, even as a young child, mm-hmm. um, we're similar in age and growing up with her and the ebbs uh-huh. and flows, I think is always been something that I've admired. She's doing some amazing work and I really admire her as well in the sense that she hasn't allowed herself to be defined mm-hmm. by other people's expectations of herself. And if you think yep. about how she went out and she, I mean, one of her most successful things, right? Legally Blonde, that's what people know her for. But if yep. you look at her body of work and everything that she's done and the way that she shows up, um, I don't know if, did you see the 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 um, series that she did on Netflix? Netflix and she interviewed several people. I love those interviews. Those were phenomenal. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, from, um, at a young age when she did cruel intentions, she mm-hmm. did. Oh, you know, I love that. Yeah. And even little liars and all of that, it's just body of work. Amazing. But then like you said, her philanthropy work, her businesses, her corporations, 
Um, she's been true. She, she's not changed who she is. Mm -hmm. And I think as women, we tend to kind of be chameleons of, okay, I've been a part of this community. So I got to look like them, act like them, talk like that. You just stole Um, the word out of my brain. It's so funny because when you started to talk, I'm like, yeah, kind of like a chameleon. And then you said, I love it. And that's one of the things that I've learned in in my business is in the beginning being, I wasn't really young, but young in the business, Mm -hmm. I was mirroring, you know, other successors, other businesswomen in our corporation. And then finally, probably maybe about two to three years ago, when this situation Mm -hmm. with my mother started, I was like, wait a second, I have to be true to who I am. I curse, I yell, I scream, I'm (laughs) wacky, I'm silly, you know, my stories and my, my videos and all the things are truly who I am. Yes, I talk with my hands. I'm not Italian, like things like that. That's just my personality. Mm -hmm. But yet before I was trying to be who these people were. And I was, it's taken a long time to kind of step back and be like, no, you know, you were created, the universe created you to be who you are. Yeah. Um, and as my mother always said, you know, this little tiny three and a half pound, little peanut of a person, yeah. uh, pigeon is what she would say, but mm-hmm. peanut of a person, you know, it was created to be who I am rather than pretending to be somebody I'm not. Yeah. And I think that that's when we become successful and success takes on a whole different meaning, because I think that if we're chasing success by being somebody else, we're never going to be satisfied with that. Yeah. We're never going to be satisfied. We have to be satisfied with who we are right here in the moment and grow and really envision who we want to become. And then as the acceptance of ourselves grows, then we get to the place where we envision ourselves being. For sure. And, you know, to piggyback and to kind of put the whole thing in perspective, especially for this month, it's all about self-care and loving Mm. the journey and loving who you are to who you are becoming. Right. Absolutely. And I think that sometimes, especially when it comes to um, self-image and caring for ourselves, we're always looking like, oh, I'm going to be happy when I'm going to get there. And, you know, that that's that's what most of us tend to do. And I think that I find even in my life, when I was climbing the corporate ladder, I kept thinking, okay, when I get that next promotion, when I hit that uh, level status, when I overcome this, you know, I'm not middle management anymore, I'm above that. And I, and then I realized like, wait a minute, it's not about where I'm going to go. It's who I am and who I'm becoming. And, yeah. and that's so important for you, you know, inspiration. Sometimes we, we look at so many different things. Where do you go for inspiration? Honestly, it's, it's really been changing through the years before <laughs> it was um, TV. Um, but now I think it's more of <clears throat> audiobooks, podcasts, mm. um, and being open to trying the new things, right? Mm-hmm. Um, as I said, I was not big on meditation and I'm day 19. Oh, good for you. Day 19 into doing it. Mm-hmm. And I think the inspiration is, you know, just 
hearing the different things that I may listen to on a podcast, where it could be Rachel Hollis all the way to the Bella Twins. You know, there's different things that you can get out of it that can mean different things to you, Mm. um, I think is what fills me up. Um, I'm a big, huge believer in repetition and um, hearing things over and over again or saying it to you over and over again. Um, I mentioned to one of my girlfriends, I think for the last three or four days, I've been doing the same 10 minute meditation mm-hmm. because the same words are reiterated where live to your fullest potential mm. um, and loving yourself and caring for yourself and leaning into that potential. So that's so many what, people don't hear that. Yeah. And, and I think that when we repeat our brain then begins to process it in a deeper way and begins to really go in uh, sort of, you know, wrap itself around that concept as opposed to just being in a superficial level. I know that for me, repetition is, it's important. And I think that when I fall off my, my processes or my habits, then I start with trying to repeat what I'm trying to accomplish in, in a small way. And uh, I love that you, you've taken up meditation. I'm, I'm a certified mindfulness teacher and a yoga teacher. And for many years, I resisted it. I, I thought, oh, this is so woo woo, so out there, so crazy. Yeah. Yeah, I don't need that. I'm a New Yorker, you know. Yes, yes. <laughs> like, you get it, right? Yes, yes. I was the same way for the longest time. I thought it was very bohemian and hokey pokey. And mm. I thought people were crazy. Yeah. Um, and it was hard being a New Yorker myself to kind of shut that brain off and be present in the moment. And of course there's times that I'm not, but I think that as your listeners will, will attest to this is that taking a small step, that's the hardest part. Oh, for sure. That's the hardest part. It's, it's whether it's changing your nutrition, doing a workout, journaling, whatever, or even applying for the job, right? You're so deathly afraid of the what ifs rather than saying, okay, I'm going to take this step. I may fail, Mm -hmm. but at least I've given it a try. Yeah. And I think that for us, especially in um, taking that first step, we have that, uh, that fear. And uh, one of my mentors, uh, she used to say fear is false evidence appearing real, right? And we really get these stories in our brain. And, and as uh, someone who came from the corporate world, I saw so many w- different women that I would say, oh, you know, this job is opening. And and they would say, oh, no, I could never apply to that because they wanted to be 100% checking off those boxes that they, they fit the bill. And yep. yet when it comes to confidence, you know, you look at a man and they could be 40% a match for a job and they'll go ahead and um, and apply for it. Their 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 ability to just move forward is different. And one of the reasons I started this podcast is because I want to be able to um, create the environment in which women come in and hear the stories of people who have overcome that fear and in, in, uh, that evidence that they think that it's real and kind of move ahead and go after their goals and their dreams, despite what their brain may be saying that they can't do it. Right. Yeah. And I'm, I'm, I'm a good example of that because Mm -hmm. um, growing up besides being an only child of a divorced family, um, I was, um, I had a learning disability. 
I was left back in third grade. I had the voices and the people telling me that I was stupid. I wasn't capable. So I started to believe it. And as the years went on between high school and college, I still didn't find my way. I wanted to be successful. I wanted to be corporate executive assistant. And I did, but it didn't, it didn't fill the void right. that I was feeling because I, was, I knew that I was made to do something more. I didn't know what that looked like. And I knew that all of the negative things that people were saying, I didn't believe it anymore. Mm-hmm. And so you going through that, having those difficult times, those mindsets, it's something that you kind of have to, one, come to grips with, but two, also take a step back and look at it and say, wait a second, I overcome, I've overcame these obstacles. Right. And if I can do this, I can pretty much do anything. Yeah. And I I think that, you know, if we look at the amazing lives of people that had challenges or maybe weren't part, I mean, none, none of us are perfect. If we look at, you know, even Oprah, right? If she listened to the voices, if she listened to the people that said, you'll never make it, you're this, you're that, you don't have that, then we wouldn't, I mean, some of us have grown up with her and learned so much and look at the things that she's been able to accomplish. And I think that's a prime example of in our life, we have so much to give and it's just being able to follow that instinct. What would you say, was there a defining moment for you where you were sort of chasing and and you said, you know, I don't measure up, then you decided, no, I I will. And I'm going to move forward. Was there a defining moment? Um, Yeah, I think um, after being in my business for about two, about a year and a half to two years, Mm -hmm. um, I was still working my full-time job. I was still being the executive assistant, working the 40, 60 hours a week. And I remember um, being at a large event and walking out of the large event. I was with my girlfriend and the camaraderie, the love, the caring, the Um. non competitiveness to it because like we know in business in corporate America, it's like, I'm going to step over you to get to this. Um, Whereas this was, I know this information, I'm going to share it with you and we're going to join together at link arms and do this together. Mm -hmm. And for the first time in my life, I walked out of this and I was like, this is where I need to be. This is where I need to be because I'm going to use this as a catalyst to build my future, whether it's within this business, whether it's, you know, meeting new people and being a voice, like this is the direction I'm supposed to be in, not in corporate America. So I can can help others in corporate America Mm -hmm. as a great executive assistant, but it's not going to fill my cup up that I know that, you know, when I'm 90 years old and they're like, what did you do? What, like, what made your life change? And I can, I can honestly say I've helped so many women mm-hmm. on their journey of a better health and uh, healthy lifestyle. Yeah, I think that that's exactly what the end game is. I think for me and for many others who are in the space of helping is that you want to look back in your life and you want to make sure that you don't have the regrets, but you also know that you, you stepped into the shoes that you were meant to wear. 
Mm-hmm. So for sure, um, your mom, you know, definitely was diagnosed. You moved her closer to you. Yes. Uh, she's in Connecticut now. Tell me a little bit about what are the, the challenging things that you go through as a caretaker? Um, well, in the beginning, it was understanding her disease. It was mm-hmm. understanding, you know, how her mindset from a normal 76 years old, 76 full of energy woman to now kind of re uh, regressing to be a child again. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that took time. Um, I think that moving her closer, having her here was huge, mm-hmm. but unfortunately because of COVID hitting, um, I didn't see her from originally it was from uh, February um, till August. Well, August really truly didn't count, even though it was her birthday, we kind of did a window door situation. Right. Um, but truly, maybe since then, it was maybe three times that I've been around her. So not having that connection and not truly knowing the level of where her disease is at right now has been a struggle. Mm-hmm. But it's one of those things that the one thing I've taught myself, and I've said this to other friends of mine that are on this journey as well, is you're going to go through phases of what your norm is. Mm-hmm. And that first phase is when your parent regresses, right? And you have to mourn that piece of who they were mm-hmm. because they're not the mother, the father, aunt and uncle, grandparent that you knew them to be. And so with every phase that her and I have had, we've mourned those. Mm-hmm. And to me, it's one of those things. And she always says this too, is that as long as you're happy, I'm happy. So when I know that she's happy and she's in good spirits and, you know, physically and mentally, she's okay, then I'm at peace to know that she's okay. So would you mind sharing with the listeners what her diagnosis is? and what, what her So dis- my mother was diagnosed with, um, on, not early, yeah, early onset of Alzheimer's and dementia mm-hmm. um, with a full dash of um, depression, severe depression and anxiety. Wow. Yeah, so and, a heavy diagnosis is it's certainly something that, you know, it's a long run um, and, and it does take a toll. So, yeah. And, and then for her is since COVID, she contracted COVID in May. Uh, she was in the hospital for two weeks. Then she came back for a few weeks. Her roommate broke her hip. So there, so she had to move out. Then my mother moved to another room. So if you think about it in probably almost a year, all of the things that have happened around her has affected her mentally. Of course. But how it would affect you and I with an, with a relatively normal mindset, mm-hmm. we, we'd be frustrated, we'd be upset, right. but we would be able to flow with it. But for her, it kicks her off her keister and, excuse me, she digresses and then becomes mm-hmm. very depressed. Yeah. And I think that this is something that, you know, whether you're dealing with a disease like Alzheimer's or I- any type of thing, it is so important to know that any change in the routine, your brain is going to react in your okay. brain. Then even though you may not feel it, it's also going to take a toll in your body. 
Oh, for sure. It's definitely going to impact you in so many different ways. I think that, you know, having to deal with so many different changes definitely is uh, something that uh, would affect just a normal person. Yeah. It's courageous to see that, you know, you, you, you are providing the support system for your mom. What would you say to the, to the families that maybe are starting to in this journey? Um, and that's a great question. Um, first and foremost, and, and I take a step back for myself to kind of be like, okay, this worked, this didn't work. Mm -hmm. But first and foremost is, you know, give yourself grace. That was like the biggest thing. I actually have a bracelet on my wrist because it's one, one of the things that I repeatedly said to myself, give yourself grace, you know, take one situation at a time. And make sure that whether it's you and your spouse doing this for the loved one or family members, make sure that you have everything written out, organized, and just take one situation at a time rather than looking at all of it. So great advice. Because that was one of the things. First, it was getting her diagnosis. Then it was figuring out, you know, some aid situation, which we did. Then we came to realize... she couldn't live by herself. So then it was finding a place for her to live, moving her, selling her home. So there's stages and steps to all of that. Plus you also add in Medicaid, Medicare, and the state legal, all right. that. Yeah. <laughs> so there's a lot of, there's a lot of steps that go with it. Mm-hmm. But I would say if your family member is diagnosed with anything is to take a step back, do one thing at a time, because when you look at the whole thing, it can overwhelm you and make you sick to your stomach and have a ton of anxiety because I did, there were nights where I had a ton of anxiety because I couldn't navigate what she needed. Mm-hmm. I think that this is something that, you know, whether a family member is dealing with a long-term uh, diagnosis or or something that is uh, just a change in the norm. We really need to heed that advice, and I think that that's excellent, excellent feedback to others that may one day encounter or starting to go down this path. Being able to, like they say, eat the elephant one bite at a time is timeless advice. It, it applies to everything. And we can get overwhelmed if we start to think, oh, how am I going to do this? How am I going to do that? And then we we run into that whole imposter syndrome, like, who am I to do this? And our brain can really play a lot of games. So oh, it's important sure. to really just see, see what is my next best step? What is the one thing that I can do? Where can I tackle this? And who can I bring along for the ride to support me or help me or be a sounding board or even someone that will let me scream when I need to, right? Because they are those moments. Do you feel, um, or, or rather best question would be is what do you think is one pre- prevalent feeling that you, uh, tend to have in, uh, the challenging times and dealing with what your mom is going through? Oh, that's a good one. <laughs> um, I think it just depends on the day. Mm-hmm. Um, for sure it's sadness. This was not, and I've said this many times, this is not the story that we would have had written for her life or our mm-hmm. chapter now. Mm-hmm. Um, and it pains me that she she's missed holidays, birthdays, she'll miss graduations, all the things. 
Um, but I would say is um, just have grace, allow yourself to feel the feels. Like don't feel guilty that you're angry or you're sad. And then the biggest thing that I, I tell people, and I have to remind myself on this too, is it's okay to have fun. It's okay to laugh. Mm. It's okay to just relax. Mm-hmm. And it's not being selfish. It's you, you need that time of mindless just relaxation. Because there were moments where I would be like, I feel guilty that I went on a trip. Oh, When she mer- first moved, she moved in April. I went away in July and I was paranoid. Mm. And I, I told everybody at the facility, except for her, where I was going, they had all the information, mm-hmm. but it was, I still felt guilty. It's like leaving a child. I felt guilty. Mm-hmm. Um, and she she was fine. She didn't like, I came back and she's like, Oh, you look great. Where'd you go? Where'd you go? Such great advice. And, and, you know, I have to say that when my dad passed, my dad passed away, um, two days, two days before Christmas, six years ago. And, um, we, I had been planning a trip to LA with my husband and our good friends. And he knew that. And, you know, one of the conversations we had, it's like, if I die, you need to go on this trip. And I'm like, don't be crazy. And, and I already had planned on not going. And, um, it, it, and then when he did pass and, you know, I remember what he had said and he had said to my husband, make sure you guys still do this, you know, and you, life is for the living And life is, you can feel sadness and you can feel joy and you can have a laugh. And I think that that's one of the things that we don't hear very often that both emotions can live in the same place. And we feel that we need to either be one or the other, but that's what, what we're built for as humans is to have this complexity of emotions. And that's important. Um, And it, it, it is important to keep that in mind and no matter whether you're going through a difficult situation or it's just uh, something else, right. That you must give yourself that space to hold the emotions at bay and, 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 and watch them and not judge them because we, we are so good at judging our emotions and what we're feeling. Oh, so for where, sure. where did you go? Did you go? Did you, where did you go? Um, I ended up going to, where did we go? That trip was um, Indianapolis. Oh, fun city. Yeah. Yeah. That's a fun yeah. And then years later, there was a trip to Los Angeles. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, yes, there's always moments where you're like, I hope mom's okay. Or you right. call and check in. But um, I mean, even prior to my mother fully not having her memory, she would always say, she was like, anything were to ever happen. She's like, party. Oh, for she's sure. like, celebrate. And that's what we do now. I mean, with my children, you know, even though Nana is still here, you know, we'll talk about stories about Nana um, with the holidays. We had her stocking up or we'll be like, well, Nana wants this or we have to make this and bring it to Nana. So it's not one of those things where she's gone, which obviously Mm -hmm. she's not. It's a different situation for my children than it is for me. Mm -hmm. But it's one of those things that her and I have always had the relationship of just, you know, meet me where I'm at. I'm going to love you regardless. Going to love you unconditionally. Mm -hmm. You're good. I'm good. 
so so good. Are you confident? Yes. Tell me about your journey with confidence. Um, it took a while. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I always, I, I always, I'll backtrack. Um, when I was a little girl and it's funny, I tell this story a lot. When I was a little girl, um, being an only child, I didn't have like, like I had friends, but I didn't have like a tight circle. And I always felt like the outsider. And I remember going to sleepaway camp or going to school and being like, hi, my name is Jody. Do you want to be my friend? Like that was my line. Okay. And I was just very like out there. This is me. You know, sometimes the kids were like, she's weird, (laughs) but that's who I just, that's always been my personality. Mm -hmm. And I would say, um, through after college, I, I still had that confidence, but then I lost it, whether it be because of things in corporate America or just being a mom, who knows? I lost that. And I think when I started this journey myself and doing the different programs, doing nutrition, it was like, I'm a badass. I'm confident. I'm strong. And my girlfriend, Carrie, always says, you know, my superpower and those pow, pow strength, like stand up, arms back, feel confident. Yep. (laughs) And for me is I feel the most confident in my favorite workout pants, my favorite purple sneakers and hair up, ready to sweat. And that's when it just head to toe fills me up. And when it's dealing with mom or dealing with kids, I say, like, I always remind myself of that feeling Mm -hmm. to take it with me to go to the next step. I think that, you know, envisioning and and, uh, that's something that we need to really incorporate when we don't feel confident, go to that spot that you were feeling like and own it. And and that can really propel you. One of the things, uh, and I started speaking in public at an early age, I was thrown out there from an early age. So I've never been shy or, or hesitant to grab a microphone, as you can see. But uh, <laughs> the one thing that the first time I had to speak in public, um, at a large, large conference, and this is in my mid thirties. There, there were over two thousand people there, and uh, I remember talking to my dad. And I'm like, "Oh, there's a lot of people out." He's like, "What's your song? Play your song." And he's like, "Come up with a song." And I came up with a song. And even now, even if it's fifty people, ten people, um, I if I need a little sh- shot of confident confidence, I'm gonna find my song and I'm gonna yeah. just own it Get and, it and really yep. play it. And and I think that for me that's one thing that leads me to get into those confidence shoes, get into that spot because Mm -hmm. we don't always feel it. Right. But we need to generate the environment that is going to create that feeling for us, whatever it might be. And that's one of the things that I encourage my clients and I encourage the women that I work for for or with to find something that whether it be maybe putting on that red lipstick or putting your hair up in a, in in a messy bun and going to town to your workout. So that's so key. Now, what are projects are you working on? Um, So I'm, 
currently still um, a mentor and a coach, a uh, health and fitness mentor. Mm -hmm. um, but I've also created with a girlfriend of mine, we created a caregiver's connection uh, on Facebook. We mm -hmm. um, do a mastermind probably every three to four months. Um, in this this group on Facebook, excuse me, is private, but it's not um, doom and gloom. Mm. It's positivity. It's, you know, oh my goodness, this situation happened with my loved one. Mm -hmm. um, it's, it's good. It's the good. It's the bad. It's the stuff in between. Yeah, I think um, you and I talked about this. Yeah, about yeah, I love yeah. that. And then we need more groups like these. Yeah, because I think that when you're going through a difficult time, the groups that pop up are the ones that you go in and you hear all the horror stories and you yep. see the anger and the fear and the sadness and but we don't, you know, have that positive uplifting group where, hey, this is difficult, but here is the thing that, you know, on the bright side or how we can live through this and be still positive. So that's so needed. And it's real. I mean, we uh -huh. do every morning, we do a journal prompt, <clears throat> excuse me. Mm -hmm. um, I've shared um, uh, different articles that I've seen or read um, having to do with COVID and Alzheimer's dementia. Um, I even went true, true to form in there with a situation that occurred with my mom. I shared it in there openly. Like, this is what happened. This is how I'm dealing with it. I gave myself 24 hours to have a sad, crying pity party. And now we move on from it. Yeah. One so. of the women who really inspired me in my life, um, she, her granddaughter, she you know well she's uh she was the mom of my ex-husband my my late former mother-in-law and she um our niece at the time she was in high school and she was diagnosed with a severe um well I long story anyway but she <laughs> she I remember the one thing that she said to her and I thought here I'm 30 years old and I thought huh I need to adopt this into my life and she said it's okay. Give yourself permission to be upset and give yourself permission to cry and then move on. Yeah. And, and I remember thinking that's so simple. Like how come no one ever told me this? That yeah. I, I think that we always hear like, oh, get over it, or you shouldn't feel like this, but we need to, we need to really be able to appreciate the feelings. Feelings are not bad. They're just a result of what we're thinking. And we need to be able to give ourselves the space and the grace for them. And it's funny, you just said something that my mother would always say to me, like for years, Jody, get over it. Mm. Or it is what it is. Right. And those words resonated me in such a negative way. Right. Where I'm, <clears throat> so like you said, I flipped the switch, flip the switch mm -hmm. and allow yourself the cup, the hour, 24 hours, 48 hours, whatever mm -hmm. you need. And I do that with a lot of my team. I do that with a lot of my clients. If they're having like a big to do, I'm like, okay, give it to me. Then yeah. we're going to talk about it. I'm going to give you 24 hours. But when I talk to you at nine o'clock the next day, we're going to move past it. Sure. That's the power of a coach. And I love that you're providing that support system for others. Uh, Jody, where can people find you? So I am on both Instagram and Facebook. Instagram, mm -hmm. I am Jody S. Martino. On Facebook, I am Jody Rom Martino, R-O-M-M-M-A-R-T-I-N-O. 
Well, you have a beautiful um, Instagram feed. I love watching it. And I, every time, you know, I, I, you pop up, I'm like, oh, that's so positive. I love it. So it's great. Keep doing what you're doing. If you want to give one word of wisdom to the people listening when it comes to self-love and caring for others, what would it be? Uh, We've said it throughout this whole call. Give yourself grace. Mm, so good. Thank yeah. you so much for coming to Casa de Con. Thank you so you much for inviting us. So glad we connected. Absolutely. And we'll continue to connect and collaborate. Yeah. Who knows? You're my neighbor in Connecticut. You're a yeah. New Yorker in Connecticut. So you get me. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny because a lot of people that are um, that are new to me and getting to know me, they know me as someone who lives here in Connecticut. But I'm like, yeah, no, 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 no. I, I, I came from New York. Yeah, and there's another side Yorker, of me. Always a New Yorker. That's right. That's right. Yep. So, <laughs> anyway, I, I am missing my New York fix. Uh, so I'm trying to make plans to go out and uh, visit my city. So anyway, thank you again for being here. I honor you. you. Have a wonderful day. You too. That was a great conversation. Do you know that over 5.8 million People of all ages have Alzheimer's disease in the United States. That's huge. It's a big number. It is a big number. Hmm. Well, I'm going to go and eat my vegetables and Mm -hmm. work my brain. Yeah. Because our mind is a great resource. Mm. You know me, I'm a big proponent of our mind. (laughs) More importantly... Um, I mean, Jody speaking about, you know, what, what you can do if you have a family member, um, to help that Mm -hmm. person. So, yeah, she's a great resource. And I, I think that if anyone is, has any questions or any thoughts, uh, definitely connect with Jody. She is so loving and giving, and she's always willing to connect with people and support them in this journey because it's something that, again, we need each other. We need each other to be able to go through our lives and get the support system from one another, whether they've walked that road before or can just provide us the cheering section in the love or maybe someone has walked that path and can tell you a little bit of what to expect and some of the things that you can do to help the road be um you know not awesome but better i was looking at her facebook page i'm mm-hmm. like damn i need to start moving more because <laughs> it's inspiring looking at the pictures you know that she's got some fitness pictures and stuff up there yeah she's a coach for beach body like, and i love that the, uh, beach body has great programs by the way speaking of beach body yes yeah yogi went it's interested in this conversation apparently yeah, okay um let's put the treadmill down oh you need to walk yeah i need to walk well we have an extra desk in the office we need to uh yeah let's get get rid of Get rid. So we're yeah, we're we're uh-huh. still in like this transitional mode. Yes. So and um. Anyway. anyway. Wow. Wow. Daniel. You owe me a root beer. A root beer. Who so drinks used, root beer? We used to say that when we were kids. You owe me a really? root beer because the, the saying is you owe me a beer or jinx jinx you owe me a jinx. beer. Oh, wow. You owe me a root beer. So. Yeah, I'm not into root beer. Root beer is my least favorite oh, kind of drink. I love root beer. It's kind of well. You know what? Also, soda is 
very sweet for me. I, well, I don't drink soda, you know that. But if I drink a soda, it's a root beer. It's going to be a root beer. Ugh. Sorry, don't mean to mm. yuck your yum. <laughs> it's okay. So, um, what is one thing that you are looking forward to this week, Dan? This week? Mm-hmm. Oh, is this a trick question? Um, I don't know. Is it? I don't know. Hmm. I'm looking forward to my fantasy baseball draft later today. Oh, who are you drafting? I don't know yet. I need to do my research after we're done recording. <laughs> oh, so that's his way of saying, hurry up, because <laughs> I got to go and do more interesting things than uh, talking this podcast, you know? Oh, uh, you know what? You're, you are more important than this draft mm. in the in the listeners also. Really? Yes. Mm. Anyway. That and, being said, I got to go. <laughs> wow. Did you hear I'm that, kidding, listeners? I'm kidding, I'm kidding. Anyway, it's a month of March. We're beginning a new month. And the month of March. love. No, March is the month of love. Oh, month of love, Casa de Collins, because it's our anniversary. <laughs> I know February is the month of love, and I think he he might have even said it in the podcast in, in the interview. But <laughs> <laughs> it's our month of love because. Our anniversary is coming up on the 17th. Whoa. What is that? What's going on? Something just opened up in my computer. What is the... What? Oh, my goodness. Oh. Was that the month of love theme yeah. song? Yeah, that was the month of love <laughs> anyway. theme song. Anyway, what okay. are you getting me for my anniversary? For your anniversary? Yeah. I'm going to get you... A day of me. I have a day of you every day, but that's a lovely gift. <laughs> mm-hmm. I don't know. What am I getting from you? Um, We're not all about the gift thing, though. <sighs> yeah, I guess so. You know, <laughs> it's my love language, but whatever. What's your love language? Whatever. I am a very good gift giver. Yeah, you are. I mean, you love that vacuum cleaner I got. Actually, I do want a new vacuum cleaner. That was a joke, folks. But I, I do I want know, no, a new I know, vacuum cleaner. I know better. No, I'm telling you, I do want a new vacuum cleaner. It's, Perfect. It's on the wish list in the Amazon cart. Amazon. <laughs> <laughs> I do want to, I, I want a lightweight, good sucker upper. Well, that makes my gift purchasing done listen there's a lot of things on that wish list that you Mm -hmm. should check out Mm. anyway well i hope everyone enjoyed the interview today and learned a few things Mm -hmm. so um do what do you have julie do you have anything you want to tell anybody out there so before we end the week I want to challenge you to go out and do one thing that brings joy to you and others. Oh, that's a good way to wrap it up. All right. All right. Well, don't forget to go confidently and share with us on the socials what is the one thing that you did to bring joy to you and or others. Go confidently in the direction of your dreams. And don't forget 
to share, subscribe, or review us. We love to hear what our listeners are saying. And by the way, super exciting things coming your way in the month of March. So stay tuned. Goodbye. Are we done? We're done. Do you have anything else? Have a great week, everybody. Thanks for joining us this week on the Casa de Confidence podcast with Julie DeLuca Collins. Remember to check her out on Instagram and Facebook and always click subscribe to catch every new episode. Remember, leave a review so we can continue to bring you fresh content. And as always, go confidently in the direction of your dreams. Hi, everybody. I know that sometimes we get very lonely in this entrepreneur journey, and I want to invite you to join us into our limited time only Purposeful You Mastermind. For many of us entrepreneurs, we believe that we can do it all, but the reality is that doing it alone only creates a lot of overwhelm. So join us at the Purposeful You Mastermind. You can find out more information by going to bit.ly forward slash Julie's mastermind. This is going to be the place where you are able to then unlock your full potential and achieve long-term success for your business, push you behind your current limits, expand your connections, discover new ideas, and implement them with confidence. You're going to get the support in all aspects and transforming you to the six-figure business you've been looking for. Pause and get off the hamster wheel if you've been spinning around. This is a time where you can get that support from like-minded entrepreneurs that are here to join you in your journey. Together, we can challenge the assumptions and land the speaking engagements and opportunities we want to grow our business and make an impact in the lives of people. See you then. Remember, you can find the mastermind at bit.ly. Julie's Mastermind.